Hello and welcome to Revival Fires TV. I'm so happy you're joining us. My name is Holly Tinkani and I will be your host, joined by Pastor Terry Drost, who will be bringing the message. We love you and we want you to experience God's best in every area of your life. Now welcome Pastor Terry. Acts 3.19 says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. How many know we all need to be refreshed? Oh, yes. Talking about the glory of God today. Amen. In, in Isaiah 6, Isaiah called to be a prophet. In the year the king Uzziah died. I want you to help me focus now on this. This is so important. Don't miss this. Don't let the enemy distract you with anything. In the year that King Uzziah, I think they're going to put it on the screen up there. Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Seraph is one word. Seraphim is plural. Those of you who want to go a little deeper today, so you understand what we're reading when you say words like seraphim. Seraph is uh, singular. It's a, it's a high-ranking angel in heaven. That's what's in heaven. Seraphims, there's cherubims, there's archangel Michael. Uh, you know, we can do, we could spend a year just teaching on angels and demons in this place. Maybe we should sometime. Amen? How many would enjoy something like that? Go a little, yeah. So understand, seraph, when he says seraphim, seraph one, seraphim means plural, means multiple, like legions of powerful, high-ranking angels in the kingdom. That's what you'll see, by the way, when you pass. And you may get a few glimpses of heaven before you leave this place. How many of you ever, I'm just, I'm just curious, because I, I'm, just, I'm being honest. How many of you ever saw a vision of an angel? Can I see your hands this morning? Yes, yeah, some of you here. Man, I'm telling you, I've, we've been in glory services, and I'm talking about the glory of God. I just want to talk about it. I want to encounter it this morning. Can you say amen? Because in His presence, everything changes. And uh, I don't know how many times I've had people, I mean, especially kids, come running over to me. It's something about children. They just have a level of faith. They're not all polluted and, and infiltrated by the world and all the stuff. They just see things. I remember one time Jonathan was preaching here. I mean, this was years ago. I think he was just getting started. He was just a young guy, had an old beat-up car, and his windshield was cracked out there. My son actually felt so bad for me. Put a, my middle son, Dylan, went and got, took money and took his car and put a windshield in his car before the service was over, you know. But he was preaching under a heavy anointing. And I remember this guy, Ricky, uh, Ricky Molnar, actually come over to me. He was just crying and crying at the end of the service. He's like, Pastor, he goes, just like they couldn't even speak. I said, what's going on, buddy? And people are all here worshiping God. He said, there literally, when he was preaching, he said there was an angel. It had to be almost 20 foot where he was just standing there like this. You want to tell me God's not real, friend? If you only knew the power that is available to you, you would never spend another day frustrated in your life. Can you say amen? And so Isaiah has an encounter. He says, I see the Lord. His train fills the temple. He's high and lifted up. And above, him, above it stood seraphim and, and, uh, and there were angels. And then he describes the angelic presence. He says, each one had six wings. With two wings, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And uh, one cried to another saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. Isaiah went to church 
and he encountered God. How many knows a big difference between going through some religious activity and encountering the living God? Can you say amen? And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Praise God. And there's three things that I see very clearly in this text and in Scripture and in your life when you'll apply them that will work for you, that will happen to you when you see the Lord. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. Very simple. You'll see, you'll see, you'll see how big God is. Look at this verse with me. We're going to exegete it. That means it's extrapolate truths out of it today. Look at, look at what he says. He says, the train of his robe filled the entire temple. Speaks of jurisdiction. The size of a, of a king's train was the size of uh, what represented his jurisdiction. If you had a little train, you're, you're responsible for maybe a little town somewhere. But if you had a big train, but God's train filled the entire temple of God. Can you say amen? The date was 740 B.C. It's not really important to know about the date other than understand what was happening to the nation of Israel at that time. He begins in the year, listen, in the year that King Uzziah died. He was grieving, he was mourning. This mentor of sorts, Uzziah, I want to talk to you about Uzziah. You know, we know famous kings, right? We know David and Ahaz and people like that, right? We think of like Jezebel and all these people. But I want to tell you, King Uzziah was an amazing, powerful king. He reigned for 52 years as a, on the throne of Israel. He was, God, it was God's chosen seat. And he, 52 years is a long time. He became king when he was just at the ripe old age of 16 years old. And he brought the people, listen, he brought the people great sense of security and peace and prosperity in the nation of Israel. He was very, very powerful. He was well respected. He was a godly man. And he stewarded the kingdom well. How many know it's all stewardship? This thing called life is all stewardship. Look at your neighbor and tell him it's all stewardship. And here's the real reason. Listen to this. Here's why God really blessed Israel and blessed King Uzziah. You want to know what the secret was? Because the very first thing that Uzziah did was he re-implemented worship and praise of Jehovah God in the nation of Israel again. And God blessed him. You want your life to be blessed? Be a worshiper. Amen? God loves to kiss his kids. When his kids love on him, can you say praise God? So it's just a little background, because we read Isaiah 6. We sing Isaiah 6. We sang it in the early service. I see the Lord, and his train fills the temple. That's where that comes from. I see the Lord, he is high and lifted up. And angels cry, holy, holy is the Lord. That's right out of that passage. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's the only attribute in Scripture that's repeated over and over and over. They could easily have said faithful, faithful, faithful is God. Faithful, faithful, and it would be true. But most theologians that are worth their salt, what they believe is that the reason that it's repeated over and over, and it's a parallel passage, you also see it in Revelation, not only in Isaiah, that it's an echo. It's a sound that's going up. It's unadulterated worship and praise, the sound of heaven. It's what we will say when we're in heaven one day. The reason that it's said over and over, because listen, theologians believe it would be impossible to describe the, how massively big and powerful and majestic and holy God is. Can you say amen? That's the God that you serve. That's the God I serve. That's the God we come in here in freedom and lift our hands and sing to. So it far surpasses, it far transcends whether I'm Baptist, Methodist, Assembly of God, or Catholic. So 52 years he, he reigned, and, and, uh, and now, now he's dead, and 
Isaiah, who was the prophet, the major prophet, he was a mouthpiece of God that had a direct line to God and also God through him who spoke and gave counsel to King Uzziah. How many know it's important who you have in your team? Oh yeah, don't just listen to anybody. Don't just let people speak things over you. But start to understand that it's important to have a prophetic voice in your life. Can you say amen? And this guy has such ability. Let me just go ahead and say this. His son did not carry the ability or the anointing that he did. And his son wasn't a very good king. In fact, the father, listen, Uzziah was given such wisdom from the Lord that God gave him the ability to even invent several military weapons. Here's, here's one he invented, the catapult. It might not say that on Wikipedia, but let me tell you where it says it. I don't care what Wikipedia says. The Second Chronicles 26.14 actually describes the military weapons that King Uzziah, this great king who defended and protected and spent 52 years of peace prosperity and security in the land of Israel. He was loved because he was like a gentle giant. It says in 2 Chronicles 26, 14, then Uzziah, there's the king we're speaking of, prepared for them the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, like the suit of armor over there, bows and slings that cast stones. And he made devices in Jerusalem invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and large stones. If you ever go to the Holy Lands with us, we, we plan to go next year, you'll see these towers are still standing. They have a little keyhole, like a skeleton key, if you remember what that is, where the guys would stand behind with their bows armed to defend the walled city, the fortified city of Jerusalem. So the Bible says, listen to this, so his fame, Uzziah, the king, his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped. Listen to this, this is so important. He was marvelously helped by God until he became strong. What does that mean? Here's the sad thing about King Uzziah. It didn't end well for him. You know why it didn't end well? Because he decided to walk into the temple one day because he got a little prideful. How many know sometimes if we're not careful, we could take credit for what God's trying to do? And God has a way that he loves us so much that he'll humble us if he has to. And Uzziah thought he was all that. He literally got to a place because everybody was singing his praise. Let me tell you something, folks. The Bible says, beware when all men speak well of you. I can tell you from experience, I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> can you say amen? Praise <laughs> God. They're still putting stuff in the paper about me. I'm like, my God, how long ago was this? Uh, you know, six months? I don't know what it was, two months ago. By the way, don't, don't, don't believe what everybody says about you. And S, when I was taking a journalism class and I was just in 10th grade, it was, they used to say uh, SPS, SPS. You know what SPS means? Self-praise stinks. And unfortunately, it didn't end well because Uzziah was a powerful king. But where he messed up, he started letting it go from here to here. It's the demise of great men of God. How many, do I need to mention names of people who we've seen fall from grace because they couldn't keep their humility, their pride in check? Last I checked, God gets all the glory. Amen. Talking about the glory today, amen? Yes. Amen. The Bible says all of sin have fallen short of the glory of God. There's like dozens and dozens and dozens of verses about the glory of God that will help you. It's designed to help you and empower you, but you've got to be careful you don't take credit. Amen? So here's what he did. Say, how did he fall? Well, he walked into the temple, and he was so puffed up with knowledge. The Bible says that. 
knowledge puffs up. And he was puffed up because everybody was singing his praise. And when he walked into the temple, he said, I don't need any priest. I'll just sacrifice myself to God. And he just walked in. We're talking Old Testament now, before the veil was torn on Calvary. And he just walked in and started, and a priest saw him. You can look this up. Ran toward him and said, no, 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 don't touch those sacred things. And he said, I can, in essence, this is what he said, I can do whatever I want. And the Bible said immediately he was stricken with, stricken with leprosy. And he was banished from the ever worshiping again God in the temple. And he was never able to see his own family again because he had a plague. He had leprosy on him. And he wasn't allowed to touch anything. And he, he died a really a miserable life. So I want to tell you this, folks, that when you encounter God like Isaiah, and Isaiah was literally coming from his funeral. If you look up the text, that's what's happening. He's coming from Uzziah, this great king's funeral, and he's in his heart. He's grieved. He's vexed. He's, he feels overwhelmed with grief. And sorrow, and he comes in to pray. Have you ever been in a place in your life when you're so overwhelmed with sorrow and sadness and grief, it feels like it was never going to end? And Isaiah does the correct response. He comes into the presence of the Lord. Can you say amen? And he said, I see the Lord. He came to pray to God, and he saw God. He said, I see the Lord, and his train fills the temple. It was an encounter that he had with God, with the glory, the tangible glory and the presence of the Lord. And he realized he had a revelation that it wasn't the little, that the little king, little K, King Uzziah was dead, but the big king, big K, was still on the throne. Can you say amen? I want you to realize how important it is that we don't give up the habit of meeting together been saying this from day one, and I know I've taken a lot of criticism, and it's okay. I fell in really good company because I know the old line Pentecostals understand what persecution really is. So I'm honored to be anywhere even remotely close to that generation. Amen? So understand how important it is for us to meet together like this and not lock the door on the church house. I don't know about anybody else. I'm not going to give an account for anybody else. I'm not called the pastor, First Baptist or Second Presbyterian or the Sacred Heart or somewhere like that. I'm not throwing stones at them because that's not my level of accountability. That's not my wall that I'm to be a watchman on. But as for this house, the doors will remain open so people can worship and encounter the glory of God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. So there's so many verses in the Bible that tell us that we should meet again and again and again. I don't have time to do them justice. I'm just going to give you a few. Please don't turn there. You can write them down and look them up later. Exodus 25, 22. It says, and there, God said, I will meet you. Where? In the assembly, in the sanctuary, in the temple, the mercy seat between the two cherubim, which are the ark of the testimony, and everything I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. How many know God will speak to you in his house? Hebrews 10.25, we quote it all the time, but listen, read the verse before that, Hebrews 10.24. It says this, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking, why? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day of the Lord fastly approaching. 
Can you say amen? They were having church seven nights a week back when the Hebrew writer wrote that. Not just one Sunday, you know, a month or for some people. How about this one? Psalm 22, and I'll leave it alone, 25. My praise, this is God, shall be of you in the great assembly. So where do they get that name, the assembly of God? Assembly means a large gathering of people. The First Amendment, that the government cannot infringe upon the gathering, peaceful gathering of religious groups, such as the Peckville Assembly of God up here on Route 6. Amen? Amen. We're very respectful, but if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. This is the concern that I have, and I'm just going to share my heart, so don't, don't you take this the wrong way, okay? The concern that I have with all the technology, and I don't know about you, I got a new phone this week, I, I'm already ready to throw it. And it's not because I wanted a new phone. How many know they just don't last forever? I mean, I, I, had a, I had an 8, and now they gave me an 11. My 8 was nice because it had a nice case on it, but I can't even go to the store because they're closed up here at Verizon, I guess. You know, I look, it's closed, it's closed, you know. But it's like holding onto a piece of ice for me. I keep dropping it all over the place. Like, oh, it's like a $1,200 phone. I'm like, I want to throw it already. I want to take it a step on a thing, you know. How many know what it's like when you get a new phone? Uh, it's just a lot. You, you know, I don't have contacts, and I don't know, whatever it is, you know. So if I don't answer your call, don't get offended with me, okay? But understand, the problem with technology, and I thank God, we've been doing online for, you know, forever here. We're probably one of the pioneers of it in this part of the country. We've been doing television for almost 18 years. You know, all that, God's been good to us. We use whatever we've got. We use, FM translating is going out. Well, some people are sitting out in the car. Nothing wrong with that. Do whatever you got. Use it for the glory of God, right? The problem, loved ones, is that People have replaced the solemn assembly coming to the house of God with the phone. And you know as well as I do, listen, if you're sick, stay home. If you, if you got whatever it is, stay home, okay? If you, I'm, not, I'm not pouring any guilt. I'm just saying, how many know there's a big difference between watching this on a phone or a television and actually being in the room? Come on, somebody. Come on. There you are. Oh, hallelujah. And so, listen, if going to church wasn't such a big deal, why does the devil fight it so hard? You might want to tweet that one. It's, it's true. Come on, how many of you have kids? My gosh, some days we'd come to church. Can we just have a moment here together? And my kids, I'd have to spank the three of them on the way to the house of God. Right? I used to say to my wife, I can't have them ride with me anymore. They're going to wreck my anointing. <laughs> Amen? I mean, who do you think is fighting you, Gary, when you, when you bring your family? It's not God. Right? Praise God. So, I mean, think about this. Who do you think wants to keep us out of the house of God, God or the devil? Hello? How complicated is it? And if you don't believe me, just read the Bible. I just gave you a couple of scriptures. There's dozens of them that say, when the house of God is open, you need to be there. Amen? And yeah, and again, I take heat over it. You know, I, I guess they quoted me saying the governor said it's okay for us to have church. By the way, the governor did say it's okay for us to have church, folks. 
People that closed their churches, you know, it wasn't like, well, we better do this or we're in violation of some kind of state law. It's not. Come on. Have you been to Lowe's lately? <laughs> I mean, what about Walmart? Oh, God, I want to go near that place. Everybody's standing there six feet apart with a mask on like this. I wish they'd open it up already. My goodness, I went to the hardware store the other day. You know, look at, who, who's the guy that, uh, oh, that has, uh, what's his name out there in California? Tesla. Lusk, what's? Eli Musk. I want to say Levi Lusco because I think it, Eli Musk told the governor of California, guess what? I'm opening my business. And if you try to arrest me, I'm moving to Texas. Oh, oh yeah, no problem, no problem. Well, you know as well as I do, if a mom and pop store said, hey, we want to open our business, they'd say, go ahead, move, or we'll come arrest you. What is it with this, folks? Are we, are we so anesthetized that we can't even see what's happening in our country? Come on, someone. Why is it? Listen, look, how about the county commissioners that stood up, six counties, and say, wait a second here. Let me, and they were respectful. The one guy said, I think it was Schuylkill County, he said, let me ask you just a simple question, because they said, why are you opening against the governor's He said, listen, why is it big box stores are allowed to be open as long as they practice social distancing, but the mom and pop store is not allowed to do the same thing, practicing the same social distancing? What is that? Could it be? I better watch they don't pick that up on the camera. Forsake not yourself, the assembling of the brethren. Unless there's a virus going around. No, it doesn't say that. I'm sorry. I don't see that in any translation. I'm telling you, folks, we got to gather together. Listen, we need the glory of God. We need the presence of God. Israel did not gather around the sermon. Israel, the nation of Israel, gathered around the presence. People come to the American church. Only in the American church do we come in. I'm like, I just want to hear the sermon. I want to hear the sermon. I want to hear the sermon. That's like going to a party that somebody invited you to, and you just kind of waved at the host across the room, but you spent all the time with everybody else there. Are you getting the picture? God says, when you seek me with all your heart, then you'll find me. Amen. There's three things we realize. We realize how big God is. Secondly, we realize how small we are. We see how small we are, and I don't mean insignificant. Let me tell you, Jesus would, God would have never sent his only son, Jesus, for insignificant people. You're worth something to God. You're worth everything. The fact that his son spilled his blood out on, the, on Calvary 2,000 years ago is how much he loved you, enough to die for you, more than any man, any woman, any person this side of eternity ever will. Can you say amen? You realize that not only are you small, but your problems are very small in this presence of the Lord. Can you say amen? Look, look at the next verse. Look at verse 5. He said, so I said, this is Isaiah, woe is me, I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. You ever felt that way before? And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What does that mean, Lord of hosts? It means the armies of heaven. Armies, plural, of heaven. Multiple armies. Warring angels. Ministering spirits. Cherubim, seraphim. He said, I got a glimpse and I realized that I, I had stuff that needed to be removed from my life. Have you ever been there before? It's called junk in your trunk. I'm telling you, you can tell by the way a person talks whether they're spending time with Jesus or not. 
I remember in the 90s, and I always sang a 90s song today. I was already getting a text from my family over there. Really? It's not the 90s anymore? And we kid around a lot. We have My wife's, uh, anyway, I won't say anything. Because <laughs> we got to have dinner later, right? But, you know, they have, we have a strange and wonderful relationship. She's wonderful. I'm strange. Amen? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just teasing. Look, folks, in the 90s, there was a great revival that broke out in Pensacola, Florida. There's been dozens of books written about it. The Pensacola outpouring, the Brownsville revival, the Father's Day outpouring. The bottom line is an Assembly of God church not much bigger than this one attracted over four and a half million people. Every nation of the world had been there. I had been there. Dad and I had been there. We ran a group down there, about 35 young people. You want to talk about the glory of God? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Once you've experienced the fire, you cannot live in the smoke. Staunch church just doesn't cut it anymore. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying this morning? I remember the very first time I went there, and I was in that anointing, if you will. The church seated about 2,100 with folding chairs, and there were six, between six and 7,000 people there every single night. The line was a mile long. How did you like to come to church and say, wow, what's going on there? Are they, are they waiting for, uh, to get in Walmart to get their grocery order? No, they're waiting to get in the presence of the Lord. Look it up. Every major media source, CNN, uh, Time Magazine, the cover, 2020 half-hour special, twice, the front story. A good friend of mine was the worship leader there. I didn't even know him at the time. I didn't know who anybody was. I just knew that I had heard that the glory of God. It was in the Scranton Times, by the way. I remember that news clipping, honey, when we were doing youth in the 90s. and we, It said, long-haired uh, organ player. That's how they described it, Lindell. Long, sings praises to God. It's a Pentecostal revival. It was more than a Pentecostal revival. It was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I remember the first time I was able to be there, talked about this a couple weeks ago, I was in the balcony of the overflow building. We were there a Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday, Lynn. We left Sunday morning after church. We had to fly back. I was at my brother's church in, in Baltimore, and we took a trip down there. And I remember on the Saturday night, they said, if you, you know, I'm in a line. Now imagine being in a line a mile long. You don't know if you're going to even get in the building. How many know you'd have to have quite a hunger and a thirst for the things of God to even stand there in the hot Florida sun for 12 and a half hours? And I remember him saying, are there any pastors in the line? And I was, we were doing youth ministry and leading worship and wearing a bunch of hats, helping my father, like my boys are helping us now. And uh, I said, yeah. And my brother said, and my sister-in-law, they gave us these yellow tags, stick on yellow tags, said, pastor, and they, let, they said, come on, this way. We walked ahead of this whole line of people. Thousands of people, people praising God. They just stand there like looking at a phone or something. They had their hands raised. It would have probably outmatched any praise and worship service this side of heaven before the service ever even started. And I remember walking in there on a Saturday, and I remember sitting about halfway back on the main floor, and I'm telling you folks, you might think I'm crazy. I don't really care what you think. I'm far beyond myself these days. Because I want to see the glory, the manifest glory of God come and change your life like it has mine. And it will continue in the future. Can you say amen? amen? And I remember, I will never forget walking in that auditorium. And it was such a, I don't know if I could put this in English vernacular so you'll understand. But it was, it was like such a heaviness in there that you feel like, I felt like I could barely breathe. Have you ever been in a level of the depth of the glory of God like that? And that's what Isaiah was saying. He said, when I saw the Lord, I was blown away how 
big he is. And I remember they gave an altar call that night. And I'm telling you, pastors, folks, of mega churches were the first ones to run to the altar and repent before God. See, you can fool everybody around you, but you cannot fool God. And there's something about not religion, because religion you could just kind of slide by like everybody and go with the masses. But when God is moving in a powerful way, in a saturated atmosphere that has been bathed in prayer and fasting and worship like that, and you come into that, that's why I saw what I saw. Pastors running down the aisle, hands up, tears, Jesus forgive me. They had brought busloads of people from all across the country there. And I was sitting there, and I remember coming up the first time, and they would always, Steve Hill would give a call for salvation. And people, I never saw a man on fire and blaze with the glory of God like that guy. Won millions of people to Jesus. You think these services are long. You're talking six, seven hours of service. They used to have to take a break in the middle of the service so people would go to the bathroom. Nobody wanted to leave. Let me tell you, that's another indicator of the glory of God. Not everybody's sitting there looking at their watch. I hope they hurry up. I hope they hurry up because I got I to hurry. You know what? You might as well just go. Instead of putting pressure on everybody else who wants more from Jesus. Can you say praise God? Come on. Since when is the glory of God, you know, relegated down to the, the wristwatch that you're wearing? Or to fit into your little box anyway? Is this okay this morning? I'm just telling you, if I didn't experience it, I probably, maybe I wouldn't understand that either. And I'm not saying I understand all the things that God, no man does. But I'm telling you, there's something about the tangible presence of him. And I remember when they gave a call, after they prayed for, for sinners, man, people who repented like that. And I'm talking the line, people would run. It was like a rumbling sound. You got to Google uh, Brownsville Revival or Evangelist Steve Hill altar call. It sounded like thunder when people would run down the aisles by the thousands. And they would kneel down and you would hear people wailing and crying like you never heard before. I believe as darkness overtakes the earth in the last days that you'll see it come again. That's Isaiah 61, same prophet, by the way, later on in the book. Great darkness overtakes the earth. Arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory, glory, glory of the Lord has arisen upon thee. Why do you think hell fights you so hard to come to something like this? They don't want, they don't, he doesn't, the enemy of your soul does not want you to encounter, I mean, I'm talking encounter now, I know it's deeper. It's not religion, it's not American church, it's not Western civilization's spin on the gospel, talking about the tangible presence of God. It'll mess things up, man. It'll mess things up in your life, it'll mess things up in your family in a good way. That marriage that you've been trying, you've been fighting so hard for years trying to keep the thing together and it's, and it's on the outs again and, you, and you're talking about attorneys and divorce court, one millisecond in the glory and the anointing of God can heal that thing and it'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Never be the same. I remember coming up and they give this call. They let everybody go back and sit down and they take them off in other rooms who came forward for salvation. And then they said, if you want more of Jesus, if you want more of the Lord, in just a minute. And Steve had that, that voice that would just like go right through you. He was a southerner. He was a, he was a former ex-heroin addict that had been arrested 13 times on felony charges. He should have been in jail still. And it was only the grace of God. If you read the book Stone Cold Heart, it'll, be a rev it'll, it'll bless you. And Steve's wife, Jerry, was here a few years ago. 
And he would say, if you want more of Jesus, God is in the house. Tonight we want to lay hands on everybody who wants more of God. And I'm telling you, as a pastor, just like in what I was entrusted with here in Pennsylvania, I was like, my God, how in the world are they going to lay hands on everybody? This thing is packed. People watching on jumbo screens out in the parking lot, 1,500 people in a tent across the street, you know, 5,000 people in another building. I mean, it was the world had invaded the church. The very first time I came up there and I came to the altar, I'll never forget it, folks. I'm talking about encountering the glory of God. I'm not talking about playing games now. And I remember these men will come down to lay hands on you. I mean, it was serious. And John Kilpatrick, who's the pastor, come down on this side. Steve Hill, come on this side. The thing is packed right to the back of the room. People out the door, man. The world was watching this. And when they went to pray, they didn't even lay, hardly lay hands on people. It looked, like a, it looked like a helicopter trying to land in a wheat field. You'd see just bodies just flying. I'll never forget it, folks. Call me crazy. I don't care what you call me. Give me a touch of God's presence to go. Amen? And I'm telling you, I'll never forget Pastor Kay. He went to pray for me, folks. I can't even explain it to you what happens. These are spiritual things. They're not things of the flesh. I remember him going to put his hand like this on, on me. And I'm telling you, I, I, would, I had never to that point ever been laid out in the power of God. Never. I'd seen so much of it that as a preacher's kid, first of all, you become a little cynical anyway. And you don't believe about 90% of what you see. And so I remember saying to God, Jesus, if this is real, that's probably what he did. He probably laughed. I said, I just want more, Lord. Have you ever been to a place of desperation in your life where you just wanted more? Or are you too hung up like the masses in close churches that no longer? The Bible says in the last days there'd be many people who would have a form of godliness, but they would deny the very power of God. They don't deny it with their lips, they deny it with their life. Your, 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 your clock is a dead giveaway. Your resources is a dead giveaway what your, where your heart really is. And I remember that night. I'll never forget it, folks. And I know it's not about manifestations, but I want you to hear what I'm saying. Isaiah understood this. You realize how big God is. You realize how small you are. And he went to, to lay hand on me. And I remember he's got a big old hand. And he went to touch me. And I'm telling you, it wasn't like one of these Pentecostal courtesy calls. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, I'm just going to fall. Some people just do courtesy. I don't do courtesy calls. I have, a big, I have a friend in Texas, Bob Jane. He's from here. You know Bob. He said, this one guy falls every time I go near him. He said, one day I was so mad at him, he goes, I grabbed him by his tie, and he still fell. He realized he had a clip-on tie. <laughs> but I'm talking to you about the tangible presence of God. And when, when God touched me, there was no, like, cutting down a tree, you know? It was, I felt like I got hit in the face with a blast of, like, a, a, like a supersonic jet hit me in the face, and I went flying back. And I laid on that rug for almost two hours straight. They used to call that back then carpet time. I didn't even know what it meant. But I knew this, God was doing a work in me. And that's why when I sang a song like, there is a river, it's really not just a, a song that works like musically. We're talking about something that's available to us on this side to help us to live victorious out there.
You've got to desire the things of God or you'll just stagnate. And even worse, you'll be on a proverbial treadmill in your walk with God. I remember laying on that floor. I remember seeing, literally seeing. And I don't know if, is this okay? I don't know if I can take you here in this service. But I remember seeing like a, like feeling the river of God running through my being. And I remember it was like I saw things in my life that needed to go. They're like, it's almost like, a, like spots. Like, like if you put up an x-ray on the thing and somebody had lung cancer and there's all kinds of, I was seeing this stuff. I said, were you, were you living a, a bad life? No, I'm happily married. I, we, God was entrusted us with a thriving youth ministry. I was working with my dad. But there's something about when you get into close contact with a holy and an awesome God that it just does something inside. And I remember God just showing me this stuff. And I was like, just, Isaiah said, woe is me. Put that verse up. Woe is me. I'm ruined. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Do you know, realize who Isaiah is? He's like God's mouth. And he's saying, I'm undone. Are you going to tell me you're a good Catholic or a Baptist or something? Really? What does that even mean anyway? Look at the prophet. Woe is me, for I'm undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people that are unclean. And I remember feeling this heaviness and this river, and I'm seeing these like an x-ray of my soul before Jesus. And I remember him saying, listen, two words. This is all I heard. Just rest. Can you receive this today? You got to take this by faith. Just rest. You need verses to keep it legal. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come unto me, all you who are weary. You ever been weary? Take upon me, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I will give you rest. God wants us to rest. Some of us, are we can't even sleep at night because our mind is going a million miles an hour. What about this? What about that? I sleep really good. The other night, I told my wife, I said, I woke up. I think I picked up 17 new things I had to do while I was laying there, you know. I had to remember that moment in the 90s when God just touched and said, just rest in me. Let me do the work only I can do. You can't do it, Terry, but if you'll allow me. I'll make you better than you were new. Can you say amen? Oh, hallelujah. The last thing that you realize when you come into the glory of God is not only how big God is, not only how small you are, and I, again, I'm not saying insignificant. I guess there's just so many birds, I can't even read them. But you realize that we see how good God is. We see how good he is. Amen? Psalm 22, 3, but you are holy enthroned, the praises of Israel. How is he in, in, enthroned? Like, how does an awesome God come and inhabit? He inhabits when we praise, right? When we worship God. That's why I say to people, like, I've had people say, you know, there's there some people, you ever meet some people who are late all the time? You ever meet somebody like that? Oh, PT, we, sorry, we missed the worship service, but we got to hear you. You missed the whole point, right? Come on, it's daylight savings. They're still late. Right? Funny story. My wife and I, one time when we were first married, 31 years ago, Bonnie, <laughs> we thought it was daylight. We didn't know it was daylight savings time. Came into the old church, remember, hon? And uh, we were just kids. She's just a teenager when I married her. She's only 19. 
I figure if I wait too long, somebody else is going to try to take her out from me. <laughs> so we came in and sat in the back of church. Dad was preaching. This is 1989. Dan Case, who was in the early service, I was talking to him today. He was standing back there. It seemed like the service was awful short that day. It was only like 15 minutes long. It was daylight savings, and we didn't know it. They had turned the clocks back, and we came at the same normal time. Think about this, folks. I'm almost done. Moses said, I want to see your glory, Lord. Tyler preached that in, in Exodus 33:16. that is. The Bible said that when God showed his glory to Moses, that when he came down from the Mount Sinai, listen, that the radiance of his countenance was so bright people couldn't even look at it. You know, like if you're out in the sun, you ever been out in the sun? Like yesterday was such a beautiful day, wasn't it? My goodness, I painted uh, our whole deck, and it was like one of these Trex decks, so it had this special kind of thing. How many know my wife's a slave driver? Amen. I've just, uh, she got home from work. I was like, oh, my gosh. She's like, oh, come on. You know? I'm like, where's the, where's, the, where's the Advil? You know? Anyway, I'm just saying, when it's bright, picture the brightest sun, and you can't even look into it because you've got to have dark glasses on. Moses had to put a veil over his countenance because of why? Because we had a good song service? Because of the glory of God. That's what we're talking about. What happens to you when you really can break through that veil of the flesh, man, and desire those things. It'll, it'll cause things in your life, good things unlike ever before, because it's connected directly to the glory of God. There's a church in uh, Texas little church called Shady Grove Church. And I close with this. This woman gets saved, and uh, she comes to church. She'd never been in a church like this before. She comes to church, gets saved, gives her heart to Jesus. They give an altar call. She thinks visitors, you know, visitors, are like everybody who comes there regularly is a member, and that if you never came there before, you're a visitor. How many know people think that way even about our church? Yeah, and so... She comes to church, they give an altar call, she gets saved. She goes home, watch this. She's living, she's cohabitating with a guy that's a, a lead guitar in a, in a rock band. She, and she, she comes home, she says, I'm moving out. He's like, you're moving out? Why? Everything is going great. She said, I got saved. He's like, well, I want to get saved too. I don't want you to leave me. She said, well, then you, she didn't know any different that she could lead him to Jesus right there. She said, you've got to come to church with me next Sunday. So they wait a whole week, and he comes to church. She don't let him come near her. She prays. He comes to church. How many know some people don't know Jesus live? Come on, I'm preaching the truth here. And she, they, she, he comes to service, Shady Grove Church in Texas. And the guy said in the worship, this is the lead guitar, he was amazed at how big God was. And he was amazed at the music and all that. And he said then he, he, he was just caught up, and he's like, man, this is unbelievable. And then he started, watch this, then he started feeling really bad. And he literally, true story, he felt so bad, he started getting sick, like nauseous, sick. And he said, oh my gosh, I'm afraid I, I, I'm going to throw up. And uh, he said, there's a lady in front of him with some kind of blouse on his, and he's thinking, I'm going to throw up down her blouse. <laughs> it's a true story. And he's like, I, I, I got to leave. And he turns to his girlfriend, and he's like, I, I, I got to leave. And she's like, Why? He's like, I, I feel like I'm going to throw up down her blouse, down her neck. It's going to not be pretty. She goes, shut up. That's the devil. <laughs> the theology of a seven-day-old Christian is pretty good. 
Who wants to keep you out of church? The devil, right? And so he doesn't know how this works. And so the pastor comes up in this church after worship and he says, hey, we're going to greet, uh, greet each other and we're going to greet all our visitors. Well, he, th- he thinks that's the altar call. So he comes walking forward. And the pastor's like, can I help you? And he's like standing there. Everybody's now back in their seats. They're ready for the sermon. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I want to get saved. And he goes, you want to get saved? He says, yeah. And the pastor says, excuse me one second to the church. And he comes down and he leads a man to the Lord. What, what was that? That was exactly what Isaiah said. He said, I realized how big God was and I realized how small I was. Amen? You see, we just had the carpets clean. Some of them, we're going to have more of them clean. It's very expensive, but there's a guy right here. His name is Bill Mountain. That's actually his last name, Mountain. And he has a, a, like a heat extraction process. He's actually a pastor of a, of a great church up the line. Wonderful guy. And he was telling the story about carpet cleaning. This is what it's like when you come to Jesus and you encounter the glory of God. You might think you're doing good until you really get in his presence. And he said, you know, I was training a guy. I was reminded this week of this. He said, I was training a guy to clean the carpet. It was his very first day on the job. And they do like commercial buildings. They do hotels, that kind of thing. Tim, he said, I got him set up with the work. I left. I came back. You know, it's an all-day job. The guy is already picked up, packed up, and cleaned up in like a half hour. And he said, I knew this guy. There's no way he had that place clean. So he said, I went in. Sure enough, there's spots all over the floor. And the guy's like sitting there. And so the owner, Bill Mountain, says, hey, come here. He said, I walked him physically over to the spot. Watch this. And he said, now stand right here. And he said, look at me. And he looked at him. He said, now look straight down. And he said, what do you see? He said, oh, yeah, there's spots there. He said, yeah, listen, I know it's your first day on the job, but they pay us to get rid of these spots. You know, folks, that's exactly the way it is with God. First, God says, look at me. Worship. And when you look into his face, you will see things that need to change in your own life, like I have. Can you say amen? And that's where God can do the the work that only he can do by his spirit. Can you say amen? Worship team, come back. The glory of God. I see the Lord, and his train fills the temple. I see the Lord, he's high and lifted up. How many of you want more of the glory of God in your life? Can you say amen? Please stand to your feet with me if you would. Praise God. Let's give God a big hand of praise this morning. Hallelujah. You know, many times when the glory of God is moving in in, in a service, I was listening to Bill Johnson. How many know who Bill Johnson is? Redding, California. You know who that is? I had a chance, my wife and I, Becky and I, were out there a few years ago, honey. Unbelievable. I never saw anything like it. It actually reminded me of Brownsville. Big line outside, people waiting to get in the early service. You know that's God in America. And he said, you know, as a pastor, so many times when God is moving and there's there's an anointing in the house, 
many times, listen, maybe I'm just talking to a, a, some leaders here, somebody that's hungry to be used by God more. He said, but what actually happens is people say, they'll get an idea and try to quick seize the moment, say, there's a healing anointing. Let's pray for everybody for healing. And he said, you know, other times somebody will say, man, you know, uh, there's, su there's such an anointing, there's glory. Let's go do this now. But actually, listen, actually what we should be doing is waiting on the Lord and just lend, taking in what God has for us. You know why? Because we need to be a light out there in a dark world. Can you say amen? Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you are not yet subscribed, hit the subscribe button and then click the bell to be notified when new videos are posted. Have a blessed day.